You are listening to the Shy Girls Coach Podcast, where shyness and introversion are not a character flaw, where we let go of self-hate, choose to be comfortable with ourselves exactly as we are, focus on personal strengths, and continuously strive for progress and growth. I'm your host, Becky Smith. Welcome. Hello, friends, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I have a special treat for you. I have brought Brooke Snow back. She was on a previous podcast where we talked about comparison, and I had to have her on again today because I just really wanted to pick her brain, and she has such good information to share with you. Today, I wanted to talk about meditation. And if you've listened to me before, again, I have talked about meditation before, and I've even had someone else come on and talk about meditation. But Brooke has a a specialty, I would say, where she talks about how to improve your prayers with meditation. And I really liked that. I do think somehow in the LDS culture that we're afraid of meditation. We think it's woo-woo. We think it's a different religion. We don't understand it. And there's so much misconception out there about it. And the way you linked it with a prayer was just um, eye-opening for me. And um, so I wanted you to be able to share that. So you can start wherever you would like to um, about just your philosophy about meditation and prayer. Yeah. um, Thank you for having me on. I love being able to teach people about meditation and especially um, how it relates to prayer. I would say most of my audience are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day yeah, Saints. I, <laughs> yeah, like I would, I totally can, um, what you just said, you know, about all of the, maybe the myths or the different ideas of way we can think about meditation, especially in our culture where we don't use that word necessarily very often. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a really beautiful practice that is so fitting for our own life. And it is so fitting within the doctrine of what we believe and what we teach as well. And sometimes we just need to look at it a little bit differently. It's just and, a different language, right? Yeah. Like it's yeah. in our doctrine. It is there. <laughs> it is very much there. And in fact, a really great book came out recently, um, published by a Desert Book called The Power of Stillness. It has four authors, so I'm not going to try and remember every single one of those authors right now, but Power of Stillness. And they do an amazing job of being able to take meditation and putting it into the LDS language and vernacular. Yeah, it's good. And so that's a really great place to start. It's also focuses a lot on mindfulness. So what I love to do is be able to bridge the gap between meditation and prayer. Um, And so there's a, a few ways that I like to do that. Usually, Uh, I like to start with my basic three principles of what we can do to make our prayers more meditative. And the first one is breath. Breath is amazing. If you look at Genesis chapter one, when God is creating the world, he creates Adam and Eve. And like, what do we read about? Like, when does life actually enter his body? He breathed into his nostrils, the breath of life. And that is when like Adam's spirit comes into his body. And there is so much amazing doctrine about breath. Like I could talk forever just about that. But one of my greatest spirituality hacks 
Like we have life hacks. This is a spirituality hack. Yeah. If you want to improve your prayers, if you want to improve your personal revelation, if you want to improve your scripture study, anything like that, breathe. It's easy. It's free. And it, it's amazing what it can do in bringing us into the present moment. And so my instruction for people with breath is to take a deep breath, fill your diaphragm, your belly up with air and to breathe in through the nose if possible. Like I know we can have a cold or other physical problems that might limit that, but if possible, breathe in through the nose and out through the nose. So if you're listening to the podcast, maybe we could do a little breath together, yes. <laughs> like breathe in through the nose and out through the nose. Like even one breath right there can do amazing things for helping us move from maybe a fight or flight state into something that is more calm. Maybe it can help us move from having anxious thoughts and being really in our head and worrying about things to all of a sudden like being right now in the present. And so taking that concept into prayer, if if I would invite anyone to just spend even three breaths, that's like my like basic starting point is spend time doing just three deep breaths in and out through the nose before you pray. And if that is all you change about your prayers, you will absolutely notice a difference. Mm. And, um, we, we've started doing this even as a family, we don't do it every single time, but we do it often. And it's amazing to me how it even changes my kids. If it's my son's turn to say the prayer and he's 10 years old, <laughs> if he, and he'll lead people, he'll, he'll say, all right, take a deep inhale through the nose, <laughs> exhale through the nose. And just a couple of breaths like that, his voice will change. Like mm -hmm. all of a sudden I hear in the tone of his voice, he's thinking about what he's saying right now. He's not just rushing through some like script, all the rehearsed things that we say every time we say the prayer on the food or every time we like say the prayer before bed or in the morning or whatever it is, I can tell he's actually taking the time to think about it, which is a quality of being present. Right. And so that is like, a huge spirituality hack right there is just taking the time to breathe. And any Eastern study of meditation that you do, it starts with breath. Like that is where you are supposed to bring your attention to so that you can be present. And I think about the struggles that I've had with prayer itself in the past. And a lot of it is right here and just not being present. Like, I feel like mm -hmm. I'm not connecting. Like, I don't know if anyone's listening <laughs> and, um, just taking the time to calm down, to get out of my head, get back into my body can do amazing things right there for increasing the feeling of connection and to be calm and to actually be thinking about what I'm saying. Now you had a pretty dramatic experience with this, with the breath, right? That taught you. Would you mind uh, telling us that experience real quick? Yeah. Um, I have a very deep appreciation for breath specifically. In June, 2014, I had a baby. Um, everything went great in the morning. <laughs> and then that evening, 10 hours later, I was still in the hospital. I had some nurses that came in to just help assist me into walking into the bathroom to go to the bathroom before bed and like, you know, just get ready for sleeping for the night. I didn't even make it all the way into the bathroom before all of a sudden I felt really nauseous. And I said, I think we're going to throw up. And I don't remember anything that happened after that. So apparently 
I collapsed on the floor and I started to seizure. And when I awoke, <laughs> I'm on the floor and I have even more nurses around me, very concerned. They're asking me all sorts of questions like, what is your name? What is your birthday? Do you know why you're here? And I couldn't answer their questions because I couldn't speak and I couldn't speak because I couldn't breathe. Mm -hmm. And the reason I couldn't breathe was because I had just experienced a pulmonary embolism. Mm. I didn't know what that word was until afterwards. <laughs> what that means is a blood clot in the lungs. And blood clots can be caused by pregnancy, weight gain, surgery, swelling. I had all four of those. <laughs> I had, had a C-section. Um, it was just the perfect environment to have a, a blood clot happen. And I actually had nine, there were nine blood clots in my wow. lungs. It was extremely life or death moment. Um, after I came to that first time, uh, I immediately blacked out again. The next time that I came to, I was on a hospital bed and there was a doctor uh, working with me. And the first words that I remember him saying are, I need your verbal consent to perform this procedure. You may not live but I have to have your permission to do it. Mm. And I just nod my head. I couldn't even speak. At that point, I had a mask over my mouth and nose, an oxygen mask pumping, and I should just say firing oxygen into my body to be able to sustain my life and help me breathe. Um, I later found out that the amount of oxygen was 20 liters. Uh, that basically is like a fire hose. Yeah. <laughs> just blasting into my body, helping me to sustain life while everything was so difficult. It was soon determined that my little small town rural hospital was not equipped to be able to help me. And so they scheduled a life flight helicopter to be able to come and get me. But to make it even more dramatic, <laughs> there was this crazy summer storm that happened that night that prevented the helicopter from actually making it to the hospital. There's a canyon that it has to fly through. And so I, they decided I would ride in an ambulance through the canyon and I would meet the helicopter there. And then from there, we would drive the rest of the way to this um, inner, inner city hospital. <laughs> and so... I, I remember getting into the ambulance. Um, my dad and my husband gave me a priesthood blessing. And all I could think about this whole time, like I didn't, I don't even remember really panicking. Like there wasn't, there wasn't room to panic because the only thing that I could think about was inhale and exhale. That was the most important thing that I could do. There, there, my every, you know, when you're in that fight or flight place, like, parts of your body and your mind just shut down because it has one job to do. And that was my one job, breathe. That is it. And so that's all I did. I just focused on inhale, exhale. Uh, we get to the helicopter and in changing over from the ambulance to the helicopter, they have to change the oxygen supply. And I just mentioned like we had 20 liters of oxygen. Well, the EMT shouts at the pilot. She's like, she needs 20 liters of oxygen. And the pilot fires back. He's like, we don't have 20 liters. We only have 15. So what that means is that this fire hose intensity of oxygen is going to go down and it's going to decrease in power and supply. And I knew, 
I'm already having a hard time breathing right now. If I don't have this level, like we're done. And so I get into the helicopter, they switch over my supply. Um, and it really goes to show what a tender mercy it actually was that that storm came, you know, that I didn't have to go as long in the helicopter with that small supply of oxygen that could have very well helped to save my life. Um, but anyway, I switch over to the 15 liters of oxygen and it was so drastically not enough mm-hmm. that all of a sudden, like, I can't breathe at all. <laughs> the EMT, just like in the movies, she's shouting at me. She's like, stay with us, Brooke, stay with us, Brooke. All my vital signs are just dropping. And I, I, I don't know what to do, right? I, I had one job and it's to breathe and it's not working out very well. And instantly in that moment, a phrase manifested into my mind. And that phrase was, Christ is the breath of life. And I, I just instinctively knew that I needed to repeat that phrase on every struggling inhale and exhale. So I try to take a breath in, inhale, Christ is the breath of life. Exhale, Christ is the breath of life. Inhale, Christ is the breath of life. Exhale, Christ is the breath of life. And truly a miracle happened. And I remember the EMT saying, I can't believe what's happening. She is stabilizing. Like this is truly a miracle. And the flight was seven minutes. By the time I got to the hospital, um, they put me in the emergency room, they check all my vital signs and they switched over my oxygen level to two liters and I was okay. And I mean, such, there's so many amazing things right there. And I, and I'm so grateful for Western medicine and all the nurses and doctors and emergency people that helped me. And of course, priesthood blessing and prayers of my family and all of that plays a part. And also I know that the significant moment between life or death for me was right there in the helicopter. And you know, it's interesting because that was a really spiritual experience for my life. And, and yet I didn't fully understand what had actually happened. Um, and not everything was perfect right after that either. Uh, for the next year and a half, I actually struggled a lot with anxiety. I struggled with PTSD. Uh, I would see a helicopter fly in the sky and instantly I would be back in the helicopter myself and I couldn't breathe. And it was like flashbacks. I'd have these flashbacks. I'd have nightmares. Um, (laughs) I'd have panic attacks. I really struggled with mental illness and it got to a point where it's like, I am concerned about my daily life. (laughs) Like I am not being a good mother right now. I am so short fused. I'm super reactive. I'm screaming at my family and my kids. And it all felt so out of my control. I'm like, I should be grateful. I'm alive. Like I was miraculously saved. Like, why can't I just be calm and nice and peaceful and like live this good life? And yet it seemed like so many problems were happening because of that. And I was sharing this with my sister one day and she said, have you ever considered meditation as a way to deal with what you're going through right now? And I had like those same thoughts that you described at the opening of the podcast, like, that's weird. And that's like not part of our culture. And, but 
sometimes when you're in a place of total desperation, you're willing to try things. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I was open to it and she had found a class that was this little meditation 40 day challenge. And so she said she'd do it with me. And immediately I noticed a difference. Um, I, I started to feel more calm. I started to feel more in control of my emotions and my responses and being able to choose a better response than just being temperamental. And, and did you make the connection that, oh, what I was doing in the helicopter was meditation? No. So okay. I'll tell you how that happened. I did not make the connection for a year and a half. I had got into meditation and I started doing yoga and both of those things were like amazing tools for me, like yeah. such a difference. And because of that, I was super interested in learning more. I signed up for a yoga retreat, a yoga and meditation retreat, and it was five days long. And it was like on day four. And I was sharing my story that I just shared with you with one of the yoga teachers. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, all of a sudden it was like the light bulb went off and I realized, oh my goodness, the Lord gave me a mantra and he told me to recite it on the breath and it saved my life. Yeah. <laughs> like I didn't make the connection until much later. And because of that, like all of a sudden it was like, I need to know more. And this is, I am so committed to this. Like it saved my life before I even knew about it. Like before I understood anything about mm -hmm. meditation and mantra and breath and all of that, it helped me. What can it do for my life now that I actually can be conscious and aware of this tool? How can I use this in all of my everyday experiences? I may not be in a helicopter, not able to breathe, but I can certainly be in life, unable to breathe, overwhelmed, stressed out, having like dealing with problems and things that arise. Like figuratively, there are many moments that we find ourselves in that same high pressure and that same tool can help us be able to navigate all of those experiences. All right. So what's your second principle? The breath is the first one. Yeah. So breath is our first one. And the second one is posture. Okay. And this is something that I picked up because of studying meditation and yoga. Uh, it's really interesting because in yoga, like it's really important to have an open posture. Like you yeah. sit with a straight back, you have your chest wide open so that your heart can be open. And part of the reason of even having a straight back is so the breath can flow freely. Mm. And this was so interesting to me as it compared to the cultural practice of prayer. What do we usually do when we pray? Like, what is the posture? Yeah. yeah like it's to close up. You cross your arms across your body, you fold your arms, and then you like hunch over, yeah. you bow your head, you get small. Like it is drastically different yeah. than that posture that of just being posture. open. And so I, I made that switch in my personal prayers. Um, I think it's really important when you pray to be comfortable. For me, kneeling is not very comfortable for a long period of time. And so like my legs will go to sleep. For me, I just sit cross-legged with my back supported. Like I will sit on the floor and sit up next to a couch or something like that. Um, I have my palms up and I just rest them on my thighs and I just make sure that I'm open. I feel like there's such symbolism there too. Like I am open to receiving revelation from God right now. 
I'm not closing myself up to that. And I wondered, I'm like, well, why do we do this? Like, what's the cultural like reason behind yeah. this? Like, and Have you found it? Why? Well, you know, as I, I've done a little bit of research. Um, part of the research comes from the Bible dictionary entry on prayer, and it talks about posture there. And it specifically calls out the posture of the Old Testament. And it says that people would pray with their arms extended to heaven. And if you look at that, it is open. It is very open, right? Like chest open, arms open, hands open. And I I love that that was part of the New Testament or sorry, Old Testament um, posture like that. Um, I, I hesitate on like being quoted on this exactly, but from my research, it shows that a lot of the tradition of just fold your arms, bow your head, um, some of it's traced back to like the Catholic um, tradition or the Protestant tradition mm-hmm. of trying to, to get like children to be quiet, to <laughs> stop wiggling, like the pretzel. I don't know if you know the history of the actual pretzel, you know, the design of a pretzel. Yeah. It was to teach the kids to fold their arms. Oh. <laughs> And, and so just in, in the Catholic or Protestant tradition, that was just something that was picked up. And then, you know, you have, um, the restoration of the church, but a lot of people came from that background of the Protestant tradition and just continued that same posture of prayer. And so, I mean, I don't think there is any doctrinal significance of fold your arms, bow your head. (laughs) However... But it is called out specifically in the Bible dictionary that the open posture was part of the Old Testament experience. Yeah, I had um, I was talking to a friend who is of another faith that came to our church because her husband belongs to our church, and she had such a hard time with the arms folded and the head bowed. And I hadn't even thought of it before. She's like, "That's so closed off." She's yeah. like. And if you were talking to somebody and they bowed their head and closed off their arms, you would think they weren't interested in the conversation. She's like, in my faith, we open wide and we talk to the heaven. And I was like, oh, and that's the first time I'd ever contemplated that. So it's really interesting that you would point that out. Well, it will feel different. Like when I teach people about this, I say, if all you change is the breath, and all you change is your posture, again, you will notice a difference. And this is like talking about private personal prayer time, right? Um, to just take a few breaths and to be open, um, to consider the posture of hands. I Instead of hands outstretched like the Old Testament, that too can get tiring to yeah. hold up for a long time. <laughs> and so I just bring it down and, and rest palms up on my thighs just because I can sustain that in a comfortable way for longer. Uh, but it will feel different. Like you breathe, you're going to feel present. You're in this other posture and you're like, oh, I can receive now. <laughs> like I am opened up. And so that's another small change that you can make with your prayers that automatically will help them to feel um, more of that meditative experience so that you're opening yourself to receive revelation. hmm and was there one more? Or yes. Like, okay. So my third, my third tip for making prayers more meditative is forgiveness. And when I teach meditation, I have a meditation class that I teach. We start with a mantra meditation and a mantra, just like 
the helicopter, Christ is the breath of life. I actually start with a different mantra for my class. The mantra I use is I love and accept you. And then you state your name. And this is another favorite mantra of mine. I feel like it's really powerful and foundational to our experience. <laughs> like um, last time that we talked on a other episode, we talked about comparison yeah. and being able to constantly remind myself, like, I love and accept you, Brooke. Like you are okay. <laughs> even if you compare, and, even if you're jealous, right? Right, right. Yeah. Um, um, but anyway, like just that mantra is where we start with learning how to meditate and something inevitably will happen with a mantra meditation. And that is your mind will drift. Mm -hmm. You will not be able to just like only think about this one thing. I'm just going to inhale. I love and accept you. Exhale. I love and accept you. And then all of a sudden I'll be thinking, what is for lunch today? And did I finish like that project I was working on? Oh, right, right, right. I love and accept you. Like this is normal. This is the normal experience, even with experienced meditators is that your mind gets off, like your mind will start to drift. And so the reason that forgiveness is my third tip is because what do you do when that happens? Like when you start to notice that your mind is totally taken a different direction, what do you do? You forgive yourself, you come back and you begin again. Um, a really great analogy I'd love to relate this to is that I've heard in, taught in meditation classes before is you imagine that you're on a park bench and there are lots of cars that are driving by <laughs> and then you happen to get in one of those cars and you go driving down the street and those cars represent our thoughts. Like we can have lots of thoughts that are just driving by but sometimes we get in the car, we go with that thought and we're gone. Like we're not on the park bench anymore. Yeah. So what do you do? You forgive yourself, you come back and you begin again. And I think the important thing to remember here is we don't meditate to get good at meditation. We meditate to get good at life. And so what are all of the ways that I can use this in regular life? Like I'm having a conversation with my husband and he's talking to me and all of a sudden I am not listening anymore. I may be looking at him, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I'm thinking about lunch. I think about lunch a lot, right? <laughs> like I'm thinking about, did I get this thing done or what is this problem that I'm dealing with? So when I notice that I am drifting and I'm not present anymore, I forgive myself. I come back and I begin again. I come back and I open myself up and I'm listening to him again. Or maybe I'm working on a new habit, a new skill, or I have a goal and I have a mess up. Like I have a mistake. I didn't do my best. What do I do? I forgive myself. I come back and I begin again. And, or maybe I lose my temper with my kids <laughs> or I go into comparison or something like that. Once I notice oh, I did this, I forgive myself, I come back and I begin again. So I think it becomes a really powerful practice when we can realize all the ways that it helps us in every single part of life to forgive ourselves, to come back and to begin again. Like nobody makes perfect progress. We don't progress in a straight line. We don't even progress on like this perfect angle. It's more like a spiral. It's like one step forward, two steps back, a couple steps forward. And the important part is the coming back. It's that turn. Like that's what we define repentance as. LDS Bible Dictionary says repentance is a new view of yourself, God, and the world. It's a change. It's a change of heart, mind, and breath that you just come back 
and you begin again. Like you reorient, you turn around and you face God again and you resume, <laughs> you start again. And so I look at that and just with my prayers, like how many prayers have I said in the past where I totally got distracted? I totally had my mind drift. Like it doesn't matter if it's a mantra or if I'm saying my evening prayer or even if I'm blessing the food or somebody else is blessing the food. <laughs> can totally get off. And I think of how many times that experience happened and I would just get embarrassed or I'd be like, oh, well, and I would just finish and like go on with the next thing. What could I have received if I had forgiven myself and come back? How many times did I just never return? And so those three things like breathe, posture, and forgiveness are amazingly simple, powerful things that we can integrate immediately into our prayers. Like not much has to change, but those are subtle yet extremely powerful tools that can dramatically improve and enhance our personal prayer experience. Oh, thank you so much, Brooke. That was so great. I really appreciate that. Can you tell people one more time um, where to find you? Yeah. Um, my website is brooksnow.com. I have a podcast, the Brooke Snow podcast. I have a book living in your true identity. You can find on Amazon. And I love, I love teaching about all of these things, especially meditation. There's a lot of things that I teach about that. In fact, I have a free course. It does go into detail of what we talked about here. And I also have a meditation 40 day challenge of my own that really goes into a lot more depth um, of how to make those personal prayers more of a meditative experience. We talk about using visualization, um, being able to focus on our feelings, how to actually make a conversation with God instead of our list that we can often pray with, you know, our like practiced outline of all the things that yeah. we like check off the list. We, we learn how to put that down and to actually have a really organic conversation with God and to use visualization and um, really neat things that we can integrate. And it's all gospel centered, yeah. Christ centered, which is a unique take on meditation as well. It's, um, so it's not the Eastern style that we often see taught. Yeah. It's more of a very Christ centered approach and definitely supported with LDS doctrine. So that's, yeah. amazingly fun for me to teach. I love being able to share those things with people. I signed up for the free course and um, I, I want to tell my audience that we did talk a lot about this, but there's so much more even in that free course. So I can't imagine your 40 day challenge, like how much you would learn from that. And to just, I would just caution everyone to just open their mind a little, just like open it a little, Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and take it in. So thank you so much again, Brooke. I really appreciate you being here and that's all for now, I guess. Hey, thank you. It's been a pleasure. I'm always excited to be able to share these things. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Hey, shy girl. Remember you are enough exactly the way you are. There is nothing wrong with you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you can take away some little tidbits that you can apply to your life. And as always, thanks for listening and bye for now. Hey, did you know you don't have to be shy, an introvert, or even a girl to listen to this podcast or to recommend this podcast? 
I'm sure that you know someone in your life who needs this, who you can help by sharing this. And you can help me by sharing. So tell a friend and take a moment, log into your podcast app and scroll down until you see a little link that says, write a review and leave me a review. I would so appreciate it. It helps people find us, find me, and it also gets this goodness out into the world. Something I wish I knew, I wish I understood so many years ago. So I want to pass it on. I want to be a part of the good. So will you help me out, please? Please share it. Thank you so much.